You're listening to the Greeks Gridiron live with Ethan Haristadulu. Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome back to the Greeks Gridiron. It is October 18th on a Monday. Coming to you guys from the studio. I have decided that I'm going to start adding a few more days to the content stream. I've been posting three times a week pretty regularly. This will be the first week that we do a takeaways or kind of like a recap video of the Sunday's games that just passed the day prior. So we are going over week six Sunday and basically all the big things that kind of popped out to me the the most. I'm not going to go too in depth, but just kind of some of my takeaways for each team involved in the games. So without further ado, as always, if you enjoy what we're doing here, like, comment, share, subscribe, share your opinions in that comment section down below. Things that you see, you know, some of these teams that what are they doing right? What are they doing wrong? What are some things that are standing out to you guys because that's basically what i'm talking here i would love to hear what you guys think as well so let's get into it shall we week six was a really interesting week in terms of the games it feels like this has been such a hotly competitive season and then up when you get into this week I think just about every single game besides the Jaguars and Dolphins in the early window, that is, the Jaguars and Dolphins in London and then the Panthers-Vikings game, everything was pretty much decided heading into the third quarter. All, all the winners were in the lead, and they were some of them were in the lead pretty handedly. So it was not a super competitive day of football, uh, but I think it kind of gave us an idea as to where some teams actually stand in terms of how good are they and how good are they not. So with the first game in mind here, we'll discuss the Miami Dolphins and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Just some things that popped out to me. Uh, obviously, Jaguars coming out with a very, very late two seconds left on the clock field goal to win the game in London in their home away from home. Exciting stuff. Uh, the Dolphins seem to be like in in a really bad spot right now. Injuries have really given them some problems. They had injuries on the offensive side of the football. Both Byron Jones and Xavier Howard were out for that game. There was just it seems like the injuries are taking their toll. This is not the ten and six team we were seeing last year, that's for sure. And there's a lot of concern with Tua and just his ability to really push the ball downfield. It sounds like that's starting to come up some more. I heard some people talking about that this morning, and the interception that he had, where he kind of ran across the field, threw the other direction, threw a pick. It just the ball did not carry as far as you would have expected it to. It was a really bad interception, bad decision. So it, I think things are really boiling down to is to with a guy and with the week uh, the week eight tread did uh, whoa excuse me trade deadline coming up there. Uh, you have to wonder, are the Dolphins internally discussing that trade for Deshaun Watson? It sounds like the Watson's name keeps coming up now as we inch closer and closer to that Week 8 deadline. It seems like if he's going to get traded, it probably won't be until Week 8 because in that sense, the Texans will be able to maximize their value because they're going to want to send him to the team that wants him but is also in the worst position record-wise because if you assume that, you know, it, assuming Deshaun Watson can come back in and be as effective as he was in Houston, He's going to be a difference maker and probably bring in some wins for any of the losing teams that he ends up going to just off of how good of a talent he is alone. So Dolphins in a weird spot. Quarterback's a big question mark. Are they in the conversation for maybe landing Watson? I don't know. On the flip side of things, when you look at the Jaguars, Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence are getting their first W there for Jacksonville. Exciting stuff all around. Urban Meyer looked more stressed out than excited in that win. Uh, I think after the uh, the field goal to tie the game where it flew right and then somehow curved in left and barely banked it in from 54 yards from right there, he was probably just really concerned that a 53-yarder might not go in. Uh, he did not look as excited as I expected him to, but I think the anxiety was just kind of taking its toll. Thanks to the whole Gruden 
issue. It seems like all eyes are kind of off of Meyer now, and everyone has seemed to kind of move on from his little thing in the bar a couple of weeks ago that happened. Um, and honestly, probably for the better for his situation, I feel like there's so much scrutiny on him already as a college coach trying to make it in the NFL with all the jokes of this ain't college anymore. You know, you're not playing Rutgers every week, whatever it may be. Jaguars finally got their first win. Lawrence had a really good day, one, probably one of his best days as a pro. He was looking at 319 yards, a touchdown, no turnovers. So very good game for the number one overall pick. Pass rushing, the defense needs to figure things out, though, in Jacksonville, especially the passing defense specifically. They were really not able to generate any pressure at all on Tua. And, I mean, Tua still put up 300 and, uh, what was it, 329 yards altogether. So... Defense needs to figure it out over there in Jacksonville. They were kind of ultimately it boiled down to not letting them get in the end zone. And, you know, Tua puts up 330 yards. You expect maybe some more touchdowns, but you can't let you're going up against the Dolphins here. If you're going up against another team, a la like the Rams, the Buccaneers or somebody like that. If you're letting up 300 yards passing Brady or Stafford or somebody like that is probably getting to the end zone more often than not. They need to figure out the pass rush and the passing defense over there in Jacksonville. Next game up on the list, Green Bay and Chicago. Uh, I think coming out of that, as Aaron Rodgers said it himself, he kind of owns the Bears, and I'm sorry Bears fans to say it, but he really does. I mean, Rodgers' record against the Bears speaks for itself. He scored three touchdowns on the day, two passing and one rushing. He looked as good as he has, you know, the last X amount of years. Um, I'm I'm really surprised, and I was actually having a conversation uh, with some of the people that I was watching the games with yesterday about just – how well the Packers are doing, despite the fact that like there's this cloud just hanging over Green Bay about the future of both Rodgers and Devontae Adams, because don't forget, Adams shut down contract negotiations with Green Bay, so a lot of concern there. The offense overall, though, has just been outstanding, despite the struggles that the defense has had. Even the running game looked really good. Dylan and Jones combining for 135 yards on the ground to go against that air raid offense that the Packers run there. Shout out to the running game because I feel like they don't get enough love because of the fact that Rodgers and Adams are literally just torching defenses week in and week out. But the running game is starting to pop up more, which is good because they need something else besides just Rodgers and Adams dominating defenses week in and week out. You need something that can change things up and be effective. And the running game showing up at this point in the season is a good sign. Bears uh, offense on the other side of the football there continues to struggle as Fields gets used to the whole NFL thing. Um, Obviously, you know, he does not have a ton of time under his belt as the starter. It only is second week now. Uh, Fields has some really weird decision making, if I do say so myself. He threw a couple of passes just like Hail Mary bombs towards the end zone. One got picked. The other one, he's lucky the DB wasn't in. Uh, and honestly, you could argue it even might have been in, but the referees decided to call it out, which I'm, I'm fine with because that was very like how you wanted to look at that type of play. He needs to not be doing that. I understand you're down. You're going up against Aaron Rodgers and, you know, take shots, but like take a good shot. Don't just heave the ball up and pray. You know, you don't get away with that very often in the NFL. Both times he threw that, it was pretty much to the defender with no receiver anywhere near the ball. He needs to stop that. So that needs to be, you know, done and done with. On the Bears defensive side of things, though, 
the defense continues to look good. Ultimately, the defense can only do so much. Uh, you know, if you want to say that they let up 24 points and allowed Rodgers to score those three touchdowns, fine. But when your offense is really doing nothing and going five straight drives with either punts or turnovers, the defense can only do so much. They still had three sacks in the game. You know, they gave Rodgers some fits here and there. They didn't get to that 24 points until very late into the game. So, I mean, the defense held their own. It was just the offense really didn't back them up. Going into our third game, Bengals at Lions. This was one of the first, you know, blowout city is where we kind of start running through all these games here. Just game after game after game, people were getting blown out left and right. Looking at what the Bengals did, I mean, they were firing on all cylinders. They were coming off that really tough loss to the Packers last week, that overtime loss, 25-22. And I even pegged this game as a must-win for the Bengals. They needed to come out here and make a statement against a team that is struggling to find a win in the NFL this year. Bengals did that. Burrow went for three touchdowns, 271. Joe Mixon ran for 94 yards. Jamar Chase, the connection who, and I'm going to come out and say this right now. I absolutely scrutinized the Bengals for not going offensive line in the draft. I could not believe it when they went Jamar Chase. The offensive line has impressed me at this point in the season. They are, I feel like they're looking better and better week in and week out. And the Jamar Chase-Joe Burrow connection is so real and unbelievable that, it, you know, I'm eating my words, and I'll be honest about it. I am 100% eating my words, so put a sock in my mouth. I think the Chase pick was an excellent pick at this point, and it's it's definitely paying off with the numbers. Uh, Jamar Chase is looking at almost 100 yards every single week, and he's scoring touchdowns nearly week in and week out as well. On top of that, when you look at the Lions side of things, you know, the Bengals, uber successful. The defense shut them down. When you look at the Lions, you know, they have been so competitive the last few weeks and I don't know what the heck happened this week, but things almost look like they are taking a turn for the worst and really fast. I mean, an absolute mess on offense. They were 5 for 14 on third down. Um, they barely hit 200 yards passing. I think, like, the final number was, like, 209. It's 192 with, the um, with like, sacks accounted for. Goff had an interception as well. Uh, and the offense as a unit only had 36 total rushing yards. So they didn't even cross, like, the 250-yard mark of offense. And then at the end of the game, Dan Campbell in his press conference just came out and straight up said, you know, Goff needs to step up, essentially, like, just flat out, the simple way to put it. A whole lot of yikes going on in Detroit, especially after last week where everyone was like, this is the fire we want to see from Dan Campbell when he was crying in the press conference after that super close game. You can tell that Dan Campbell definitely does things a lot differently. Uh, you don't really see a coach just flat out call out their player in a press conference. And I saw a lot of people voicing their opinions on that. Um, I don't really know what to make of that. It was It's shocking to hear because you don't hear that often, but... I mean, you're publicly holding your player accountable. Goff's not really in the best situation, and nor do I think he really wanted to end up in Detroit. So, I mean, it, 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 the whole thing is starting to look like a mess. They were really competitive those last few weeks, but my goodness, did the wheels really fall off this week. And like, I mean, they're 0-6 for a reason, but hopefully it doesn't continue to go south because things kind of look a little bit ugly in Detroit right now after having some really close losses where you could kind of be positive about them. Next game on the list, we have the Houston Texans and the Indianapolis Colts. Colts bouncing back after a heartbreaking loss to the Baltimore Ravens last week on Monday Night Football. They came out and beat down the Texans and beat them convincingly. Um, you know, I, I could say only positive things from the offense. T.Y. Hilton was back. He caught a 52-yard bomb. Uh, apparently, something happened with him where he got hurt. Paris Campbell caught a 51-yard touchdown. He got hurt, so it's like... 
you know, you get everyone back and then you're right back to square one with the injuries again on the receiving corp side of things. The big highlight, though, that I want to make here is Jonathan Taylor. The dude's third in rushing now in the league after this big game. 145 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, the Colts need to continue to feed him the football. He is good and he is very good. He finished the year last year as a rookie and he didn't even start the whole season third in rushing. This is a guy that I, he could very easily eclipse 1,200, 1,300, 1,400 yards rushing if they just really feed him the ball. He continues to be the engine of this offense when things aren't going well in other places. They need to feed him the ball, though, because when they don't feed him the ball, the offense does not run as smoothly. I love what Jonathan Taylor does. Colts D looked really good as well. They had a couple of ints, uh, but overall, outstanding performance for the Colts. On the Texans side of the football, I mean, this probably looked like their worst game of the year so far, and they've had some pretty bad games already. Mills struggled to really get anything going at all. He had a couple of interceptions. Uh, Brandon Cooks was a lone bright spot on the offense. He had nine catches for 89 yards, like the one good thing about their offensive totals for the day. Um, the run defense obviously completely rolled over to Jonathan Taylor and that Colts offensive line. Um I mean, this, there's not much to say about this team. They are in such a weird rebuilding period where you thought you had a star quarterback, but you don't have a star quarterback. And it sounds like there's potential that Deshaun Watson moves in the next couple of days. And I just cannot believe, you know, especially as a Colts fan, when I would look at the Texans a couple of years ago when we lost Andrew Luck and, you know, the Houston Texans were rolling in the playoffs Man, I cannot believe the the fall and dramatic free fall that this Texans team has had since these last couple of years have rolled through after the Bill O'Brien fiasco and everything. We are this is a very strange time in the AFC South to say the least. Next game on the list, we're looking at the LA Rams taking on New York in again another blowout game was not very close. At, at any real point besides maybe like the first quarter. Stafford continues to look like the MVP candidate. He is and has always been. Uh, I have been preaching how good Matthew Stafford is for years, and nobody has really believed me because he's been on the Lions, and I love seeing him thrive over there on the LA Rams. The dude is uber talented. The no-look pass he threw for a time. Like, you cannot... You cannot discredit Matthew Stafford anymore at this point. I see Skip Bayless seeing things about Matthew Stafford, and I just cannot believe the crap that comes out of his mouth. Dude, Matthew Stafford is a stud. He's finally on a team that can match his talent where he can be as successful as he should be able to. The dude missed only six passes, four touchdowns. I mean, and then the receiving corpse is outstanding over there. Van Jefferson, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. Cup had a, nine catches for 130 yards and two touchdowns. And then the defense, four turnovers, four sacks I mean this is looking like the defense that they were last year as opposed to the early start to this year where they've kind of struggled defensively they looked great obviously taking advantage of a team like the New York Giants that are dealing with like 50% of their offense being injured at the moment but that's what you want to do when you're going up against the teams that are in bad positions or the lesser teams Giants though there's not really much to say Jones was under so much pressure you know four turnovers he had the three interceptions a fumble uh, the defense did not really do great in any stage of the game. Overall, this team is hurt. They are struggling, and I feel for the Giants because there were so many high hopes. And, I mean, I, I pegged the Giants to do pretty good this year. Uh, I thought they would end up being maybe like the number two team in the NFC East if everything went well for them. And they have gotten the the shit end of the stick on just about everything, I would say. Um and I don't really think there's any other way you can put that. 
Next, we have the Chiefs and Washington football team. Uh, the Chiefs defense finally clamped down after, you know, the first five weeks really looking like one of the worst defenses in the league as everyone was just kind of rolling over them. Did not matter who it was. They finally clamped down, holding Washington to only 13 points. Um, solid coverage. The D-line, though, they, they caused some issues, but they still have not. They didn't get to the quarterback. I don't want to say have not gotten to the quarterback. They just did not get to the quarterback in this game, continuing to struggle there in that aspect. Uh, and then Mahomes just continues to have a really weird season. He has, you know, I see everyone posting about the amount of interceptions he's had. It's kind of annoying because Patrick Mahomes has been so good at such a high level in such an amazing way that he's finally having like a normal good season for a quarterback and people are hounding him about it. I think he has eight or nine interceptions now on the year. And that's like almost as many as he had combined the previous two seasons. So what? Some of the, I think Peyton Manning's best season when he had 55 touchdowns, he threw 14 picks to boot with it or something like that. I mean, he has 18 touchdowns. He's leading the league in passing touchdowns. And like he has turnovers, yes, but he has some kind of unlucky turnovers. One of those picks from this past Sunday was a tip off of Hill's hand. And look, I'm not like I'm not like riding Mahomes or anything like that. Like just put it into perspective and let's be real here. The guy's he's like top five in passing yards. He leads in touchdowns still. He's doing a good job still. Like the, it's he's not the problem. Let's relax a little bit. He's still doing his thing. It's the defense that we need to be looking at and scrutinizing here in Kansas City. As for Washington, Heineke looked more like the backup of the team as opposed to being the starter. He's had some really like bright moments and then some really dull ones, and this was one of those. Uh, and it kind of makes you wonder just where Washington stands as to who's going to be the starter once Ryan Fitzpatrick is healthy or if he is healthy and is able to play later on in the season. I'm very curious to see where they end up going. Um, the defense, they notched three sacks, which is good, uh, but uh, continuing to really struggle, and they were not really able to do much with this athletic Chiefs wide receiver corpse. Um, so the defense, again, just continuing to kind of let down all the hopes and hype that they had heading into this season. Uh, me being somebody who picked Washington football team as the team that could potentially win this division just because I was unsure of how the Cowboys were going to look and how the Eagles are going to look and what was going to happen with the Giants. I pegged Washington as the number one team in the NFC East coming into this year, and this defense has just been a massive letdown. For the Minnesota Vikings and Panthers game, this was the only early window game aside from the Jaguars and the uh, Dolphins there that was really uber competitive and went down to the wire. This was a game that uh, a lot of people labeled as a toss-up, and as I was watching it, watching it, you know, in my notes, I I picked Washington and then I changed it to Carolina when I was making predictions, and then I ultimately stuck with Carolina when I was on the spot doing the actual recording for the video and immediately as the game got going and I saw this offense continue to go I, I've come to the realization that there is a problem offensively in Carolina and I think it's Sam Darnold the offensive line has not really helped him much don't get me wrong but this team looked really good those first three games against lesser competition and then now that they're playing teams that are a little bit more talented and a little bit better and I, the Vikings I would say are a team that are better than the record that they have um you know, he he needed five quarters to cross 200 passing yards. He has not really looked great as a passer throughout the entirety of the season. He was like, you know, a lot of his touchdowns scored are, are rushing. You know, he was leading the league, I'm pretty sure, after the like third game of the season. O-line hasn't helped him. They have some serious talent 
wide receiver wise. Um, a lot of drops too. Uh, you know, a lot of weird things just going on. But it starts with Sam Darnold. I don't want to say he's the entire issue there, but this is another team that the owner was infatuated with the idea of getting Watson. He ultimately settled for Sam Darnold, and something tells me that if you know the owner was aggressive enough to go after. Sam Darnold, there is a strong possibility that maybe he packages Sam Darnold up and sends him packing to Houston with a bunch of other picks to to bring over and to bring over Deshaun Watson. I don't know. I'm not predicting that, but with the quarterback play that we've been seeing from Darnold the last few weeks, he's looking more like the guy from the Jets, and I just don't know if this is the right fit or not anymore at this point. On the Viking side of things. The offense looked great. They were able to really tear up a Panthers defense that's given a lot of teams headaches so far this season. Zero sacks allowed, which is huge because the Panthers have been getting after the quarterback pretty effectively. Cousins had 373 yards, three touchdowns. Dalvin Cook hammered away 140 yards, a touchdown. I mean, the dude looked great, and he's coming back off dealing with like an injury as well. And I mean, it did not look like it was bothering him at all. The biggest thing that... um. I could really take away from the Vikings is just that they need to be careful. They need to take care of the football and be better at holding on to the football. They had four fumbles altogether. They only lost one, but that's a lot of good luck bouncing your way. And you cannot be just carelessly dropping the football on the field and expecting that, you know, three out of the four bounces go your way. So, you know, hang on to the football, take care of it. But this is how I expected the Vikings to look coming into this season and why I pegged them as the number two team in the NFC North prior to the season starting as I expected a lot of things from the Minnesota Vikings and this was how I expected their offense to at least look next game up uh, I think was probably a game that a lot of people and myself included pegged to be the game of the week and then ended up being not that in any shape or form the LA Chargers got absolutely beat down Uh, it was a lopsided affair from start to finish the Ravens dominated in every facet of the game and honestly looked like the 2019 team that got shocked in the playoffs when they went 14 and two with Jackson one as MVP. Uh, You can feel it the way they're playing the swagger they're playing with. They are dominating. I love what the defense is doing there. The offense is great because you know, Jackson didn't have the best day. This is probably like a down day for him. A couple of interceptions, not super, not only one touchdown passing, not as, not as many yards rushing as you're accustomed to when you see Jackson play, but the running game was able to dominate 180 some odd yards. The offense can either, beat you through the air, beat you through the ground with Jackson or through the ground with their running backs. I mean, they have like three different like potentials of coming after and attacking a defense. And one of those three ways is bound to work. They took advantage of the 32nd ranked defense on the chargers and got the win. Um, There's really not a ton you can't like about the Ravens at this point. (laughs) That's all I really got to say about them. As for the chargers, Really a jarring loss, but a humbling loss at that. Um, I I picked the Ravens to win this game, and ultimately I said it was going to boil down to experience, and I really think it did. You know, you have a a very aggressive coach in Staley, but you have one in Harbaugh who's aggressive and also very smart and very good. This is a guy that I think is underrated in the league, and I've heard a lot of other people say that, and I think that same thing as well. I don't think Harbaugh gets enough love for just how consistently good he has kept the Ravens through his entire tenure. This is a team that, you know, and I think I said this in the previous, video this is a team that was really one of the one of like maybe two or three teams that ever truly challenged the Patriots during their giant dynasty where 
they were going into Foxborough and weren't necessarily an underdog going into that game. You know, they never they they have a real attitude about them. And I think somebody even mentioned, you know, Matthew Judon. He's over on the Patriots now. He used to be on the Ravens, and he's brought that Raven attitude over there. They, they're like the fearless, you know, he's not like not afraid of people. Like that's like the Raven attitude, and you love to see it from them. That's something the Chargers lack, and I think that's something that they need to find and figure out inside themselves as players, as a team. You know, the coaching staff. They need to get some attitude in their play style, and obviously with experience they will get better they'll get more comfortable and you know they'll find that swagger but I think that's something that the Chargers lack at this point in the season um, on top of that their rushing offense was not good 26 yards total on offense not good if there was one bright spot I would pull out you know they were able to disrupt Jackson a bit you know slow him down com- compared to just how aggressive he has been as a player on his own um, they got a couple events on him three sacks but ultimately, that run defense needs to get sorted out. It needs to get sorted out quick because you are not going to be winning games in January letting up nearly 200 yards of offense on the ground. That is not how you win football and not play off football at that. For the next game, Cardinals and Browns, uh, another one that I expected to be a lot more competitive than it was. Uh, offensive coordinator, head coach, and uh, one other staff on the Cardinals was going to be missing for the game. Um, and I, th- I was a little bit worried about this. And I even said in my prediction video, I picked the Browns to win. And I said, if the Cardinals lose, the main reason for it is going to be that they're missing coaching staff. And, and maybe that, you know, affects the play calling. The guy they had calling plays had never called plays at any level before in football. So he did a great job doing so. But I think that really just speaks to the talent that Arizona has as a team. Kyler Murray has continued to just, you know, he is like, in my opinion, the front runner for the MVP right now. And the only argument to that is maybe Tom Brady. But I mean, no head coach, no problem. Murray tossed four touchdowns. The defense was suffocating the Browns all day. On the flip side of things, the Browns, I am really concerned about. Baker Mayfield's injury, I think, is a little bit worse than was initially like initially brought up and I think he tried to downplay it a little bit but I think that there there is more than what he's letting up to be with that injury and I think that there is a potential that we might be seeing his season cut short because you know he's not he does not look the same these last two weeks compared to the first four weeks that he played through I'm very concerned about that and there's other injuries as well Nick Chubb you know obviously was very missed Kareem Hunt got hurt during the game and he wasn't even, he wasn't even 100% going into the game so the running game really suffered the passing game suffered Donovan People Jones though my man caught that Hail Mary touchdown at the end of the second quarter there he had a couple of touchdowns on the day altogether 100 and some odd yards shout out to him for stepping up um but I, the Concerned about the Browns. This was a team that was really hot and they were looking really good. And now, you know, they just came off that massive win with the Chargers. But there is going to be some concern injury-wise. And I really hope that Baker Mayfield is okay and that, you know, he's not just downplaying his injury. Um, on top of that, I guess I would I have a note here that, you know, a little bright spot for the Browns defense despite the struggles they had. Clowney and Garrett were each able to land a sack. Uh, But outside of that, overall, I think my biggest takeaway for this team is just they need to get healthier, and they need to get healthier quickly. For the next game, we're getting into later portions. Um, Obviously, that last one was a 405. This is a 430 game. Las Vegas at Denver. I picked Denver to win this one, mainly because I was just concerned about... um, the, the the whole whirlwind of stuff going on with Las Vegas. It's not that I like doubted the talent. I was just kind of concerned with how this was going to affect them with the coaching change and everything going on through the week and, and just how prepared could they truly be for the game. But honestly, the talent won out on this one. They looked great. The Raiders got the win and they got the win convincingly. The Broncos starting out 3-0 and have now fallen to 3-3. Carr made all the right throws, and 
Granted, he had a handful of incompletions, but he made literally the best throw with the 18 completions that he could have. 341 yards. He hit six different receivers for 25 yards or more. That's absurd. But talk about taking advantage of holes in the defense. And this is supposed to be a good defense over there in Denver. Um, meanwhile, the defense on top of that, dude, Max Crosby, three sacks. The team had five total altogether. Talk about, and then on top of that, four turnovers as well. I mean, they just talk about absolute problems being caused for the offense of the Broncos by the Raiders D and the Raiders offense just being able to capitalize on everything and making the best out of every single play that they had Broncos on the flip side of things I talked about this team being a a conservative football team and taking care of the football and you know one of the main reasons Bridgewater was brought in for Denver and he was elected as a starter was because he's very good at protecting the football 334 yards Three passing touchdowns. We're starting off good here. Three picks and a fumble. Talk about a hot and cold game. Like, you know, and it really did not even, like, I wouldn't even want to say hot. Like, lukewarm and cold game for Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, because he was getting some of his yardage, and he scored a touchdown pretty late in the game when it didn't really matter. Um I don't know if Bridgewater's the guy anymore, to be honest with you. He put up some numbers, some of them garbage time. The four turnovers, man, it's not good. It's not good. Concerns about the offensive line, maybe for Denver. Um, You know, I was excited that Jerry Judy was coming back for the team. That was another reason, you know, I thought that, you know, that would be a little bit of a shot in the arm for this Broncos offense that has left a lot to be desired. The defense, you know, they they were doing really good those first five weeks. And this sixth week, like you can tell that they're they're starting to struggle because of the offense. This is something that I think does not get talked about enough is like when offenses do poorly and they struggle, you know, they're turning the ball over quick, things like that, four turnovers, that just gasses a defense and forces poor play. If this offense does not get better, you're wasting what is a a championship caliber defense, in my opinion. And they got to figure something out on offense. I just don't know at this point anymore if Bridgewater's the guy. Like, yeah, he had 300 yards, three touchdowns, but the dude turned the ball over four times. I just don't know if that's going to be the answer to winning football come the later half of this season. And then this one, a very competitive game and one that was a lot closer than I think a lot of people expected. I had a hunch that this was kind of going to go down this way. The Cowboys and the Patriots, man, talk about a game. It was a good game at that. Um, This was one that, again, I think a lot of people might have pegged the Cowboys to really blow the Patriots out. The Patriots defensively have been a very impressive team. Uh, granted they did not really look that good against the Cowboys offense, but then again, how many defenses have really looked great against what the Cowboys are doing? Ezekiel Elliott's playing really well. Dak Prescott's playing really well. You have three wide receivers who could arguably number be number ones on other teams. Gallup, maybe a, a like a one, a one B kind of guy. If you don't want to say he's a true number one, but there is just so much to like the offensive line is playing well. I mean, the Cowboys look legit. That's all I got to say. My biggest concern for them is this defense, though. Uh, you know, the Patriots put up their highest point total against them in this uh, so far this season. And, you know, Diggs had the great pick six and then immediately got torched for a 75-yard touchdown the play afterwards. I mean, talk about, like, he is an opportunist that makes plays but is also being burned for his overly opportunistic play style. He's got to find a happy medium on that because while the pick six is great, you literally wipe it off the board, letting up that touchdown. And he, I mean, he took responsibility for it. Some people were saying, you know, the safety wasn't there for the play as still his guy. And he, you know, again, over opportunistic, he's playing in front of the receiver too much. And he got completely burned right after picking off that same receiver, basically. So I'm 
I don't want to say that the Cowboys are a Super Bowl contender. They are definitely playoffs bound, but I am concerned about this defense. They may, you know, they they let the Patriots look really, really good offensively, and the Patriots are. I would say they're good, not great, not really good, just good on the offensive side of things. And Dallas's defense really let them look really good. Uh, for the Patriots side, this team is really well coached. And, you know, Bill Belichick's getting a lot of flack for being two and four and having a losing record since Brady left. Meanwhile, Brady's won the Super Bowl, whatever you want to be, yada, yada, yada. Um, they are coached really well. And this roster is not great. It's getting better. It was definitely a really bad team last year, and it was a miracle they went seven and nine. And honestly, they're two and four and could very easily be four and two. Uh, you know, they've lost the games. You know, you can't keep riding on that forever. But it, I'm not sold on this team missing the playoffs just yet. I have a feeling they could squeak in as a number seven team. I said last week, I felt like this would be a team that could make it in at the number seven seed. I still think that just because they've been so competitive with some of the best teams in the league, they just got to figure out how to finish these games. That's the problem. They were in position to win this one. They were into position to win against the Buccaneers. They were, you know, they've been in position to win a lot of these games that they've lost. They just got to figure out how to finish games. And, and I really think that this offense has improved week in and week out and has looked better and better. And I think it's only going to continue to get better the more comfortable and confident Mac Jones gets in leading this offense. And you can tell, you know, like just that, that pick six to the touchdown play right after. Talk about confidence to have a play or to be able to make that type of play. You literally just threw the ball right to the receiver's hands, tipped off the hands to the defender. He took it to the house. Like, talk about deflating. And then to be able to turn around and you go right at him, you toss a touchdown pass that goes right between two players and, you know, allowing your receiver to just sprint to the house. That's the kind of confidence that, you know, you want to see Mac Jones as a rookie, cre like, just have and be able to create for himself. And I think it's only going to get better. That was an excellent throw. And that was a, that, I think that's kind of what separates him from, you know, being an average quarterback and being an actually pretty good quarterback. I, I'm high on Mac Jones, maybe a little too high. I like how he's playing. I like the attitude he plays with. That right there, though, that was a, that was a special moment for me just to see him be able to – I feel like I sound like a Patriots fan rambling on like this. I swear I'm not a Pats fan, you guys. But I think that that was a really big factor – or not a big factor, but just a very big point that needs to be brought up is, you know, the willingness to be able to attack somebody, especially after they just picked you off and took you to the house. I think that's that's a very good sign for Mac Jones as a player. Next game on the list and the last one for the list, as we have one more game tonight, and that will be talked about in the power rankings video for tomorrow. We have ourselves the Seattle Seahawks with the Pittsburgh Steelers in a game that was probably a lot closer than it should have been because the Pittsburgh Steelers offense is clearly hurting with Ben Roethlisberger not being 100%. They're missing Juju Smith-Schuster. Najee Harris continues to literally drag this offense as the rookie. Um, the dude had 81 yards on the ground and 46 through the air with a receiving touchdown. Uh, I don't know if Ben Roethlisberger is going to be able to make it through the whole season. I hope so, but he is not playing good enough football for this team to really be a contender. They're three and three. They got to three and three before their bye week, which they even, uh, you know, I heard some, I forget who it was, but somebody mentioned that, you know, that was their goal. I think it was, it might've been Ben Roethlisberger who said that that was their goal was to get to three and three before their bye week. And they did that, but man, you're going up against a Seattle team that has, you know, one of the worst ranked defenses in the league. Geno Smith is a starter. Your defense did everything they needed to do. They had five sacks. I mean, they were, you know, talk about swallowing the team up. They looked great. TJ Watt had a couple of uh, couple of sacks on his own. Dude's worth every penny that they've paid him. This team 
is going to be carried by the defense and is going to get as far as the offense, I guess, can can put up points. I, I'm It sucks because the Steelers' defense is so good, so talented. There's so much to like about them. And this should have been a walk-in-the-park type of game for them. Seattle, on the flip side of things, you know, Geno Smith was serviceable at times, but he also really struggled behind that offensive line that Russell Wilson complained about earlier in the year. Uh, it's going to be a long road till Russell Wilson gets back for this uh, offense here in Seattle. Uh, you know, the Steelers' defense held them in check. And meanwhile, you know, you can say that the Seahawks kept the game close, but I wa- I would go as far as to say that the Steelers kind of kept the game close, and I would give them some credit for how close this game actually was because the Steelers' offense started out hot in the first half, dropped 14 points, and then after that just, like, slowed to a halt. Um, a bright spot for the Seahawks, though. You guys are obviously missing your starting running back in Chris Carson. Shout out to Alex Collins. Dude had 20 carries, 101 yards, touchdown as well. Um, you know, a little bright spot for you guys. A little bit of a takeaway there is despite the fact you don't have Chris Collins, or not Chris Collins, excuse me, Chris Carson, Alex Collins looked pretty good for you guys. And that is pretty much my takeaways and recap for the week. That is every important little detail I picked out. You know, like I said, I wasn't going too in-depth on the games, but just making some points here and there about the games. Uh, Let me know what you guys think of the games in the comment section down below. Again, like the video if you enjoyed, if you made it through this entire 30-some-odd-minute video here. The plan is I'll be doing this every Monday for you guys to kind of just recap and go over, like, my biggest takeaways of the week from each game from each team that played in those games. But again, that's all I got. I'll catch you guys tomorrow for a power rankings video. That'll go up, uh, I don't know what time yet. I've been playing around with upload times, but it'll be up at some point tomorrow earlier in the day. I appreciate you all for watching. Have a good rest of your Monday and a good start to your week, everybody.